0: wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be,
5: here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson filling in for Sean Kelly, who has the morning off. and uh, Man, hard to recover after last night. I know a lot of frustrated fans out there. I'm frustrated as well. As the Pelicans blow a 20 point lead entering the fourth quarter and fall to the Warriors in overtime, 123 to 119. Plenty of Pelicans post game. We'll get to in our next segment. We'll hear from head coach Monty Williams about that last play, what was going through their head in the fourth quarter. We'll also hear from Anthony Davis. And uh, we'll also get a national perspective on last night's game and also looking moving forward to game four with Dave Pash, the NBA on ESPN I know a lot of fans are frustrated today I'm frustrated it was a very tough game to watch at least in the fourth quarter quarters one through three was very impressed with how the Pelicans came out and played in the crowd let me just compliment the crowd last night you know this is my first playoff game experience here in New Orleans I got here right after the lockout and I was looking forward to how the fans were going to come and show up for this game and they certainly did they did not disappoint so I want to at least commend you all that were there last night great job on cheering for this pelicans team you can definitely tell the home court advantage was there and it was nice to see everyone wearing the red shirts and a chance to do that again on saturday with a white shirt it'll be a white out on saturday and also a white rally towel so um again really props to the crowd last night i know it was tough and leaving the smoothie king center last night with that 123 the 119 loss but At the same time, this is a great learning experience for a team. I know some of you can think I'm crazy for, you know, not trying to make excuses. It's unacceptable blowing a 20-point lead in the fourth. This is the best team in the league. This team has a lot more playoff experience than the Pelicans. Besides Quincy Pondex or Norris Cole, you really can't go down the list. With guys that have a lot of playoff experience, you have a 22-year-old star in Anthony Davis. It's tough. This is a great learning way, though. You know, when you hopefully next year we're talking playoffs, and you're gonna look back at this game like, man, that was a turning point with this team. Sometimes the best way to learn is to lose. And I'm not saying I accept the loss, but think of it as a chance for this team to grow even more. And also, putting the blame on one person not really the best idea. It was a team effort last night, and so many things went the wrong way for the Pelicans in the fourth and over time, As far as offensive rebounds, uh, ten offensive rebounds for the. Warriors in the fourth quarter 30 second chance points for Golden State compared to the Pelicans eight that was a very significant number and three-pointers 14 of 41 for Golden State 13 of those coming from the Splash Brothers I mean they're the two one of the two best guards in the NBA the best guard duo in the NBA 40 points for Steph Curry 7 of 18 shooting from downtown and Klay Thompson 28 points 6 of 12 shooting I have a lot of people were talking about trying to foul Steph Curry on that last play to head to overtime. Monty Williams said after the game that they were supposed to foul on that play. Not sure why the players didn't, but you'll hear from Anthony Davis on that specific play and what happened there coming up in our next segment. So, as much as we want to talk about the loss last night, another good remedy for that is to flush it away and start preparing for game four. It's never over till it's over. And. As much as there's so much stuff going on this weekend, Jazz Fest is a classic. I encourage everyone, come support this team. Saturday night, it'll be rocking again. Again, the crowd was awesome. What a great atmosphere last night. And I just sitting in my radio studio inside the Smoothie King Center, wasn't even out there, but you can hear through the effects, you can hear through the TV, you can hear through the crowd. It was The atmosphere was awesome. I commend everyone that came out and stayed throughout the game. It's a Saturday night. Again, free T-shirt, free white T-shirt and a free rally rag, so it's going to be a fun one tomorrow night, and hopefully they can force a Game 5 back in Golden State on Tuesday night. So again, a full recap coming up on our show. We'll hear from head coach Monty Williams and Anthony Davis. Um, we'll get to some Anthony Davis news about Defensive Player of the Year in his fifth segment, and also he has a chance to win the Community Assist Award around the league, so I'll give you some info on how you can vote for that. And uh, again, Dave Pash, the NBA on ESPN, he'll be calling Saturday's game for ESPN. Uh, we'll have him on to discuss Pelicans, Warriors, and also the NBA playoffs. And then we'll continue our draft series. We're at pick number 11. We're very close to the draft. It's getting ooh, only a week away now. And so we've had to move things back with the NBA playoffs. Today we're at pick number 11. As Sean Kelly will talk with Matt Bensel from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, uh, the Vikings are at pick number 11 today. And so we'll get to hear what he has to say about the Vikings as a couple picks away from the Saints at number 13. We'll have John DeShazer on next week to focus on New Orleans as we head into the draft on Thursday. So there you have it. That's our show for today. And also, you know, Jazz Fest is starting today, and also it will be next week. And uh, we've been going over our Jazz Fest series a little bit with some artists and how they're Pelicans fans, Saints fans, and also musicians as well. We've had Jeremy Davenport on, Amanda Shaw. Today it's Kristen Diable's turn, as Sean Kelly had a chance to talk with her earlier Uh, actually late last week. So we'll have that for you in our last segment. So lots of good things and uh, some things to wrap up, take care of from last night's game. So we'll start that next post-game sound from head coach Monty Williams and Anthony Davis on this Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Don't want to miss out
0: on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit Pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today.
6: This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
5: We continue our recap of last night's game. I know it's tough to listen to this, and it's also tough for me to say this, as, again, Pelicans were up 20 heading into the fourth. Looked like the game was in the bag, but unfortunately the Warriors outscored the Pelicans 39-19 to in the fourth and 15-11 to in overtime. 123-119 to is your final score. If you look at the box score, besides a couple key things, like I mentioned in our last segment, it was all Pelicans for the first, for the most part. They shot 51% from the field, 46 of 90, but they were just 6 of 21 from downtown. They were 21 to 26 from the foul line, and uh, they turned the ball over 15 times. That did not help. 14 points off those turnovers for Golden State, and Golden State attempted 41 three-pointers, as I mentioned. 14 three-pointers made, 13 of those courtesy of the Splash Brothers, including that huge one late in the fourth quarter. 40 points for Steph Curry on 10 of 29 shooting, so... Field goal percentage is not that great for Steph. Making seven three-pointers is good. And 13 of 14 from the line, that's what killed the Pelicans as well. 25 of 30 overall for Golden State, 13 of those coming from Steph Curry. So the Splash Brothers were 13 of 30 from beyond the arc, and they were 17 of 19 from this charity stripe. So if you look at it, 68 of their 123, almost half of them coming from just two players Well, a lot of people are wanting to hear some explanations on what happened in that fourth quarter, so let's have the coach and the players do the talking. Here's head coach Monty Williams after the game.
3: You have to take ownership of it. You know, you can't sugarcoat it. Um, We're all feeling like dirt right now, so, um, you know, obviously you want to build them up, but there's nothing that can build you up in a situation like that. It it can be a a growth moment for us, um, but it's just tough. You know, to have the game and and to lose it that way, there's no way to, to fix it right away. Uh, we got to deal with it and own it.
5: Monty, what would what would you pinpoint as the, the biggest area how you couldn't stop the bleeding there at the end? What, what offensively or defensively? What was the second
3: big? chance points? Um, I think they had 10 offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter, and. Um, they just kept going to the basket, getting extra possessions. And then down the stretch, we didn't execute. That, that was a big deal for us. The way we played the first three quarters, um, we certainly didn't see much of that in the fourth. But we just didn't execute in the fourth. That was that was the, the game for us. We had it in our hands. And the second chance points really hurt us.
7: And, and late in the game, yeah. you, did you decide not going to foul up three? <laughs> Or, did you, what, what was the consideration there and uh, the thought process going in? No, that? we,
3: like I said, we didn't execute the game plan. We were spo- supposed to file. And, um, you know, in situations like that, uh, that's, we've had that happen to us a couple times, and uh, they shouldn't even have had that shot take place. So, uh, we just didn't execute, and that's on all of us. But it, we were supposed to
0: file. Coach, I know the overall mentality is what just transpired is in the past how challenging do you see it being getting them back up again for Saturday
3: we have to I mean we, we've done a lot of good this year and we can't let um, a moment like that destroy it now we're down 0-3 it's a must win we all know that we got to have a great meeting tomorrow but we got to be men uh, like I said we got to own it you know we had it and we let it go and um, you know I can't say enough we just didn't execute in the fourth quarter
7: Is it troubling that that's two games in a row now that you guys have not been able to really close out the Warriors? Yeah,
3: it. it yeah, it is bothersome. But, um, like I said, it can be a growth moment for us. But you know, games like that, um, when you have it in your hands, you got to do the things necessary to to win it. Not you know, we can look at the last part; that was an important part of the game. But even before then. Um, We just stopped executing, our, and and I thought we stopped passing the ball the way that we did the first three quarters.
5: So, yeah, a lot of people were asking me yesterday post game why didn't they foul? You know, if you foul them, you put them to the line for two, and then they would have to force the Pelicans to foul, or they'd have to foul the Pelicans and make them shoot their free throws. They were trying to. Quincy Pondexter came out and said he was trying to get to Steph Curry, wasn't able to. And also you have to give credit to Steph Curry on that shot. Unbelievable shot. He had Anthony Davis in his face. Looked like he got fouled on there. No call. Great shot by Curry, but no one could get a handle on Curry on that last play, and we're unable to foul him. And uh, so that was the explanation from Quincy Pondexter. That was also the explanation from Anthony Davis as he spoke after the game to the media. Anthony, I, I'm sorry for how basic this question is, but what happened to you guys down the stretch last day? Well, we
6: missed shots, and they made shots. You know, we didn't execute, wasn't playing defense, was giving up transition points, you know, and uh, we wasn't making shots. You know, they took advantage of it. And and what did you guys say to each other after the game? I mean, what can I mean, you? There's say? nothing much you can say. I mean, we know what we did wrong. Um, we gotta get out. Try to get our minds right, ready for Saturday. It's a tough game. You know, you hate to lose one like that, especially when you play so well. You know, there's nothing we can do about it now. We gotta get our minds right for Saturday.
5: Uh, is it more tiring for you uh, in this particular role against this team where you're switching above the perimeter and you're you're trying to contain their guards as opposed to the usual kind of defense you play?
6: No, um, it's playoffs. You know, I need to do more. And um, that's the game plan, you know, to switch off. So that's what I'm going to do, try to execute it to the best of my ability. It's two games
7: in a row now you guys have had trouble closing the Warriors out. Is, is that –
6: Troubling to you and
7: and and what how do you guys move forward?
6: It's not troubling. I think it's more so frustrating You know Could have won the last two games, you know um, Just frustrating. We gotta do a better job Go in tomorrow look at the film See what we did wrong see what we can do better and um, try to figure it out You know get our minds right for Saturday and try to come out with a win
5: Monty said that he told you guys that you guys should Foul up three there at the end of the regulation before the Steph Curry shot. What was the confusion amongst the players and why he didn't foul on that opportunity?
6: Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, um, I thought we made it very clear. We're supposed to foul. You know, things happen in the game. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it now. Just go back and try to figure it out and try to figure out what we did wrong. I mean, that one play didn't decide, you know, the game. You know, uh, it's plays, you know, throughout the game that you know, um made us lose, but we gotta go back and look at the film and see how we can correct it.
5: Anthony, when you had a big lead there and the crowd is roaring like it is and everything and it seems like you're coasting to a, a win. Is it hard to keep your edge when you're at home like that and
6: then no, I mean it's a team like this, um you can't you can't relax. You gotta keep being aggressive and um like I said we we miss shots. I mean um they made shots. They made tough shots. There's nothing you can really do about it. Um, but we gotta do a better job of executing, you know, and following our game plan, especially uh, late in the game. Um, you had an excellent
5: game
7: overall, um, 29 and 15. But do you have any uh, regrets about anything about your game in particular?
6: Uh, I'm not really worried about my game. Um, could have had fifty, and we still lost. So it doesn't matter. Um, I think I need to do more to try to win, you know. And uh, we just got to figure out as a team, you know. No one man is going to win the game. And like I said, we got to figure out as a team and try to find a way to execute, you know. But um, you know, I just try to be aggressive, you know. And at the same time, you know, we gotta we gotta play for each other a little bit more, you know. And uh, just play hard, play harder. You know we got, they got a lot of offensive rebounds. You know, and uh, that's all we talked about—rebounding and transition—and they, uh, they kind of killed us tonight. So we gotta go back and look at film and you know, try to get ready for Saturday. Anthony, how, much,
0: how tough is it gonna be to
3: look at that film tomorrow?
6: Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be very tough. I mean, uh we all know what happened we were <laughs> in the game, you know, but that's you know comes with being a pro. You got to, you know, take the good stuff along with the bad. You know, it's going to be tough. You know, we're all men in that room, and we're going to take it as men, you know, and um, try to figure out how, um, if we are in that situation again, how not to, to lose the game.
5: All right. So, again, as much as, you know, we want to forget about this game, we're going to try to, but still want to talk about it a little bit with Dave Pasch from the NBA on ESPN as he is calling tomorrow's game for ESPN. So we'll take a quick break. We'll get we'll go to that next, and we'll also hear about all the other playoff matchups. What he likes, what players are standing out to him in this playoffs, and uh, what's going on. Only one series is one to one, and that Spurs Clippers. I'll ask Dave about that, and plenty more next on the Black and Blue.
2: All Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting.
0: The time is now for you to be a part of something special. All-Star Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans have taken it to another level, and we want you to be on board for even bigger things to come next season. Pelican season ticket holders score the best seat locations, best ticket prices, discounts on concessions, merchandise, and much more. Plus, become a Pelican season ticket holder now to receive preferred access to Pelicans playoff tickets. Call 525 HOOP and get your Pelicans tickets today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans.
5: We continue our basketball talk on this Friday. It's uh, nice to get a national perspective on the Warriors-Pelicans series. And to help us with that, we welcome in Dave Pash, who will be calling the game tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center for ESPN. Dave, it wasn't fun for us on the radio last night, but I'm sure you would have had fun calling that one last night in New Orleans.
1: Well, it was uh, shocking to say the least. I, I did think uh, New Orleans would win a game, and they still might in the series, especially after the way they played in game two in the first half. But no one saw that one coming, and I can only imagine what it was like to be there in the building. I mean, you win that game and it's 2-1, you have new life, it's a new series, anything can happen. And instead, you know, you get on 3 nothing. as we know, no one's ever come back with 3 nothing, and the Warriors have won 20 straight at home. Uh, which means you've got to beat them twice at home, and they've only lost twice all year. So, I mean, that pretty much does it, unfortunately. But I still think uh, knowing Monty Williams and the type of players he has on his roster, they'll fight. It'll be a game, and I and I could definitely see New Orleans winning game four.
5: Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about that. Um, what would you think, what were you, your thoughts when you were watching the game last night and that last play unfolding when Steph Curry made that unbelievable shot at the force overtime?
1: You know, I, I mean... I've seen it before, those kinds of shots by Steph Curry. Uh, I remember, you know, we used to think of Jamal Crawford as one of the best shot makers in the NBA, but I think Steph Curry is now the best. Uh, he may not get the four-point plays that Crawford gets, but you know, just his handle and his timing, his release. I mean, with, with two guys bearing down on him, including Anthony Davis, the best shot blocker in the NBA, to get that off, get it over, and then to make it um, was incredible. But, uh, and that's the reason why I think he's the MVP. I, I get people that voted for James Harden and even Russell Westbrook, but when you're the best player on the best team and you, you've helped them become the best team by some of the shots he's made, um, and then you do it in the playoffs, it's uh, just incredible.
5: Yeah, no doubt, and he, he looked like he got fouled on that play, too, not to mention, it. and of course, AD with his hand there, just an unbelievable play. Um, the series may be 3-0, Dave, but just the way the Pelicans have played in these three games, are you noticing some growth from this uh, very young and inexperienced playoff team?
1: I think they have a bright future, I really do. When Anytime you have a player in Anthony Davis who's going to keep getting better, he's already one of the top five or six players in the NBA, and he's only going to get better, um, I still think... know there are some moves that they can make to help the roster but I you know for the first time making the playoffs and beating out Oklahoma City winning 45 games it's an accomplishment and I've always been a fan of Monty Williams as a person as a coach I think they've got the right guy there I think they have the right mix of personnel in terms of their foundation Uh, but certainly they need to add a couple pieces but uh, with Anthony Davis they get the right you know, if they get another superstar around him, easier said than done. They have some nice uh, role players, and and you know Eric Gordon and Tyreek Evans are good NBA players. But I think if they could get uh, another superstar somehow with Anthony Davis, they've got a chance to be a championship team.
5: Absolutely. And speaking of Anthony Davis, how has he fared in this his playoff debut in his first three games? How has he looked to you?
1: Well, I don't think you can ask for much more from Anthony Davis. His numbers speak for themselves. The missed free throw last night was big, but all in all, he's been spectacular in the series, and uh, no surprise there. I think, I think you know what you're going to get from Anthony Davis, and uh, that's the sign of a superstar, when you know that you're going to get 25 to 30 points a game um, and 10 to 15 rebounds and three blocks. That's what he did during the regular season, and uh, I look forward to watching this guy develop over the next 10, 12 years.
5: Yeah, he's been exciting to watch, that's for sure. Let's move on to the rest of the playoff matchup. There's only one matchup right now where each team has a win, and that's Clippers-Spurs. Are you surprised by how many series have gone either 2-0 or 3-0 right now?
1: Yeah, I I am. I mean, that's the one I definitely thought would go Mm 7. I thought there were several other that could go 6, and there's still a couple that might. I I wouldn't be shocked if Toronto won 1-2 of in Washington, won a game at home, forced a game Six. Wouldn't be surprised if Portland won uh, two games at home. Uh, but it certainly looks like uh, we're going to have an early start to the second round. And, you know, for, for all the, uh, the buildup going into uh, the playoffs, especially in the West, it's been a little disappointing that we haven't had uh, the, the close games um, that you know, we all hope for. Uh, but uh, you know, the Clippers-Spurs, that's the one that's not surprising. I thought that would be the best series.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. Um, Dave, which team or teams have impressed you the most so far in the playoffs?
1: Well, Golden State first and foremost. they win 67 games, yet still people thinking that somehow they're not good enough to win a championship. Um, I think they've proven people wrong. You know, They're beating a good team in New Orleans. and The way they're doing it, um, they can beat you in so many different ways. Barbosa in Game 2. Uh, last night, it's the comeback. Draymond Green on the glass. Uh, the offensive rebound, the second chance point, three point shooting—they I mean, can do it all. And David Lee, who was an all-star a couple of years ago, is hasn't even played in the series. I mean, they could go to him if he's healthy in another series. Uh, I think Chicago, Cleveland—I think the winner of that series will uh, play the Warriors in the finals. I really do. Uh, I just think Chicago, with a healthy Derrick Rose, is the only team in the East that can knock off Cleveland.
5: Yeah, that's uh, Cleveland and Chicago will be interesting um, when those two finish those first-round series, that's for sure. Um, Dave, let's talk about the Mavericks a little bit. Their situation with Rondo uh, being out, I guess, with an injury, but Rick Carlisle saying that Rondo's not going to be back with the team. Are you a little bit surprised how this played out? You know, they, the Mavericks gave up a lot for Rondo midseason, hoping to help them get closer to the championship. It just didn't uh, pan out for Rondo or the team.
1: I kind of liked their roster before the trade. I, yeah. I was surprised they did it. Um, given rondo's history and what the mavericks needed I, I don't know that he was the right person for them and i'm not surprised that he's not going to be back you've got a strong personality with him strong personality with rick carlisle and you know rick Carlisle's a good coach he's not going to stand for guys that aren't buying in and i thought danny Ainge's comment that uh you know rajon rondo while a good player Uh, can be high-maintenance, and is he a good enough player that you can justify being that high-maintenance? And obviously the Mavericks say no, (laughs) so he won't be back, and it's too bad because I I, I thought Dallas, before the trade, could have been a a contender, but I don't think they're – I think this will be a quick uh, series for them.
5: Yep, I agree with you there. That's uh, Dave Pash with the NBA on ESPN. One more thing before I go, let's jump back to Pelicans-Warriors game four tomorrow. When you're in your production meetings these next couple days, what are going to be some of your storylines heading into tomorrow night?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, the, 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 the three main storylines are, number one, you know, the Warriors uh, winning game three and how they did it and that it's historical. Uh, number two, Steph Curry continuing to hit the big shots to, to play like an MVP. And then I think from the Pelican standpoint, it's, you know, the continued growth of Anthony Davis and that this is a player that uh, is must-see. And if you're an NBA fan or even a casual basketball fan – uh, this guy's fun to watch. He's worth uh, the price of admission. He's worth your time watching an NBA game for a couple hours, and uh, that's a storyline we won't overlook. I, I think you know everybody appreciates what the Pelicans have done and the type of player that Anthony Davis is.
5: Absolutely, that's Dave Pash with the NBA on ESPN. Dave, thanks for the time, and I hope you will have a chance to enjoy some great food while you're down here this weekend.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, we always
5: do. Absolutely. Good. Awesome. When we come back, our NFL Draft Series continues. Sean Kelly will visit with Matt Bensel to talk about the Vikings' plans at pick number 11.
8: Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise clinical research and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866 Auctioner for a same day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly.
2: Welcome back. We continue our draft preview series, and we're now down to pick number 11, which means Minnesota Vikings, and uh, joining us to help us discern what the Vikings may or may not do at 11 is Matt Vensel from the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune. I hope it's warmed up a little bit. I heard there was this rumor, Matt, that there was actual snow uh, the other day in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Can you confirm or deny that?
7: That is true. I mean, it was it was 70s as recently as last week, and uh, turn around and there's snow, but that's kind of how uh, spring works here in Minneapolis, but hopefully that's the last of it.
2: No doubt, no doubt, because I think that folks are ready to talk about either the Twins, well, maybe not, uh, but certainly the Vikings. What what would you say uh, the 11th pick will look like for Minnesota next week?
7: Well, I, you know, I think there's a few different ways they can go with it. I mean, their most their most glaring need is along the offensive line, Um especially left guard, I just don't know if the, they would feel comfortable taking someone like Brandon Scherf if they see as a guard only uh, at number 11 overall. But offensive line is definitely a possibility. Uh, another big need is, a, is that cornerback. I know they brought in Terrence Newman. Uh, they still have Captain Munderland, who you guys are familiar with from the NFC South. They have Josh Robinson, too. But um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they invested a high pick on a cornerback. Um, you know, they could also go with wide receiver even after the Mike Wallace deal or defensive end. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't roll out a trade down either. I know Rick Spielman likes to get 10 picks and they only have seven right now. So, um, you know, if the Saints are looking to trade up a couple spots, they might have a taker on Rick Spielman.
2: Well, that's a good point. That's not too far off, and that might be a doable deal there. Uh, interesting. What does the Adrian Peterson situation do to their draft philosophy?
7: Well, you know, as of right now, they keep saying they do not want to trade him. They plan on him being a part of a team, uh, this team. Uh, my understanding is that, that they really do feel that way, um, but, you know, I doubt they're, you know, hanging up the phone if people call about deals. So, um, you know, I, I think he's going to be here, but if a team blows him away and offers them, you know, a first round and maybe more, uh, you know, and they decide to pull the trigger, then I think very much running back um, could become – A position they address with that number 11 pick. If not, I think it's something they'll still address in the mid round, uh, because I know they like this class and they think there's some good runners there.
2: Matt, I'll confess I did not pay probably enough attention to what Minneapolis or excuse me Minnesota did uh, with regard to the free agency period, which in a lot of ways kind of sets up what's uh, needed in the draft. Uh, In your eyes, did did Minnesota take care of any needs you know from basically the free agency period up until now, or are they more open to – they? do they have more needs now in the draft than maybe you even think they should?
7: Well, they were pretty quiet. You know, they did a little bit to address needs. You know, Terrence Newman, um, you know, helps their death, at the cornerback. They brought in Taylor Mays, which helps her death at safety. I don't think anyone can really pencil those guys in as starters right now, though. Um, you know, they, they brought back a couple of their key free agents. And the big acquisition was Mike Wallace, the mm. wide receiver, and making that trade. I think that deal. I think people could probably have said the wide receiver is their maybe was their biggest need. Now I don't know if it's the biggest need. It's still a priority, but that deal kind of changed things up a little bit, so they didn't have to reach for a wide receiver at number eleven. Or
2: yeah. All.
7: So if, no. If it was reaching.
2: So that so in a sense that took away any any storyline regarding like a Kevin White or an Amari Cooper type situation, right?
7: Well, you know, I I still think if one of those guys falls to them, or even maybe even Devontae Parker, who played with Teddy Bridgewater at Louisville, you know, I still think they could potentially take someone with that number 11 pick. Um, You know, I don't know how they feel about those guys and, um, you know, how they stack them out. But, um, you know, Mike Wallace, although he has, you know, I think three years left on his deal, um, you know, they can get out of it scotch free after one year if things don't work out. Um, Jarius Wright, their slot receiver, is going to be a free agent. Uh, Cordero Patterson has been a uh, you know a big question mark after he his play really plummeted in his second year. So you know there's still questions question marks, a lot of uncertainty, so I, I definitely wouldn't roll out um, them taking a wide receiver. It's just it, it's not a glaring need at this point. so so it gives them the freedom to, you know do whatever they want to do there.
2: Matt, the trade idea does intrigue me because uh, you, you're right. They have a bit of a track record of liking to uh, uh, stockpile picks and uh, make some moves. So, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I appreciate you bringing that up. Oh, no problem. Yep. Matt Venzel with us from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and uh, the Vikings again will select 11th. Matt, thanks, and uh, no snow. How about that the rest of the way?
7: I, I'd be down for that.
2: <laughs> Very good. Take care.
0: Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelican save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today.
5: All right, welcome back to the show. About to wrap things up here from Studio B on this Friday. Don't forget tomorrow game four Pelicans and Warriors at the Smoothie King Center at 7 o'clock. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans. You can listen on 105.3 WWL-FM. Also, there are T-shirts and a rally towel to give away. It's a whiteout tomorrow night, a confidential is uh, in charge of the shirts or is a sponsor of the shirts, and uh, the rally towel is courtesy of Chevron. So uh, make sure to get out. Um, I'm sure everyone enjoyed the red T-shirts. Now it's time to enjoy the white, and let's white out the Smoothie King Center as the Pelicans try to avoid elimination tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. Before we get out of here, it is Jazz Fest weekend, the first weekend, I should say, and we've been having some artists on, some local artists to talk about their experience with Jazz Fest, and also their love for the Saints and the Pelicans and other things like that. So let's continue that today before we leave, as Sean last week spoke with Kristen Diablo, and uh, here's that interview for you. She's getting
2: set for her appearance on May 1st at Jazz Fest, and she joins us for the first time. Kristen, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm sure glad you could visit with us today.
4: Yeah, thanks for
2: having me. All right, so it all started where? Baton Rouge? My goodness.
4: Baton Rouge, yeah, I heard you
2: wrap up. When you when you picked up a microphone in Baton Rouge, did you think you'd get to where you are today?
4: Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, it's been a long, long time from that point to now. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I think in my heart somewhere, I always knew music was what I was supposed to do. I think um, figuring out how to make that an actual job and a career was a much longer journey. to.
2: <laughs> when. When uh, when people try and describe another artist's music, I think that sometimes they miss a little bit. So I like to just ask the artist, Kristen. How would you describe the music that you're recording and performing live these days?
4: <laughs> well, I sum it up as uh, Americana solo rock and roll. And I think that kind of covers covers all aspects of it. It's not really; it doesn't really fit very neatly into any one genre. It's really just you know how the music comes to me and what comes out sort of organically. So that's that's the elevator pitch that I, that I tell people. But the best thing is just go listen
2: to it and then decide for yourself. I, I, yeah, the way you describe it, it sounds fun, but you kind of have a deeper meaning to some of your music as well. Um, do you find yourself to be more philosophical than others in your genre or, um, you know, that balance between commercial and artistic? What would you say?
4: Um, I mean, I think it's it's always honest. I think if, if you're not putting out music that's, that is honest, it's kind of pointless, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. There's a lot of other jobs to have if you're not going to be, I don't know, if you're not going to connect with it, if you're not going to let it come through as pure as it comes to you, then I don't really see the point. But I also think that if you're going to bother doing anything, you, it, it should be productive. And, and it's, you know, the point of music is to, to connect. Music is a really amazing tool to, share with people and to, to connect with people and to give something to people that's useful to them in their lives, whatever way, you know, they see.
2: Kristen Diablo, yeah, but, go ahead. I'm sorry, you broke up in the last second there. Finish your thought.
4: Um, with making music, you know, a big part of why I love making it is, is because it can be useful to other people. You know, it can, it can be helpful and useful to other people in their own lives. And, and so, you know, I want the music to reach as many people as possible, because you're going to make that happen. People have to hear it. It can't be too precious. And, and so I think, you know, with production and <laughs> arrangements and everything, I love being able to make it kind of a bigger sound and more accessible to different to different people who maybe wouldn't have vibed as much with it if it was just acoustic with the guitar.
2: Okay, okay, well said. Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen Diablo is with us, and uh, you need to check out her album, Create Your Own Mythology. She'll be at Jazz Fest on May 1st. Kristen, what was it like working with Dave Cobb, that producer?
4: It was it was a joy. Uh, he's he's just such a talented dude all around. He's a great guy to work with, really great disposition and, and personality, and and he just he really he really understands music and a lot of different genres. He's he's made a lot of Americana and country records that he's you know won Grammys for and been very successful with, but. He's actually really gifted as a, as a pop producer and, and the arrangements and, and uh, production and everything. So it was a, it was a happy uh, occurrence that we, we ended up making the record together. I feel like he was uh, kind of missing a link, the magic man, a person that I needed to, uh, to kind of bring the songs full circle and really bring them out as, as I was hearing them in my head. He was able to really articulate that.
2: Wow, high praise there. Um, yeah, I, I do have to ask you, since you are a Baton Rouge girl, um, do you follow the Tigers? Do you follow the Saints, the Pelicans? What's your connection sports-wise to, <laughs> to here at home?
4: You know, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm not going to lie to you. I do not follow sports at all. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I think at, 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 um, at LSU, I think because football was such like the dominating culture, I think when I was there, I kind of was frustrated by it because, you know, I wanted to hang out with artists and more creative people and, you know, be like a music nerd. And I feel like football just kind of like took over everything and free time activity with with people's thoughts. Um, And so I was like, ah, football, whatever. I mean, I love the camaraderie of sports and I love how they can bring people together. It's pretty amazing that, you know, a sport, Can at Tiger Stadium? How many people does it fit? Like seventy thousand or some crazy number of people. Right. That that many people come together over one shared interest. That's incredible to me, and I really I love it for that. I think that's really amazing that so many people can share a common interest and you know a common thing to be passionate about. And
2: And that and that same stadium will host a concert uh, Memorial Day weekend again this year. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Kristen, for someone who has never seen you live before, they happen upon you there at Jazz Fest, or go specifically to see you on May first. Um, what would you want them to know about the kind of set you'll have that day?
4: It's going to be fun. It's going to be a rock and roll. Uh, you know, it's going to make you feel good. I hope that's the plan. Yeah. Right? I I can't predict the future, but we just we rehearsed last night, and the band is sounding really awesome. We're gonna have some surprises in store. We're, we're opening up the main stage at Jazz Fest. So we have that big stage to work with, and I'm, I'm uh, working on bringing out some extra band people and, you know, just, just making it fun. You know, it's a fun day and making sure everybody has a good time and, and enjoys it.
2: Well, you're certainly on our list of uh, recommended artists to see at Jazz Fest. That's why we wanted to have you on. And I appreciate it. I hope you have a lot of fun not only preparing but then, performing on May 1st at Jazz Fest. Good luck to you, Kristen. Thank you. appreciate it. Kristen Diablo with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Again, May 1st, as she mentioned, she's opening the big stage there, the Acura stage uh, at the fairgrounds. should be a lot of fun. Again, uh, if you want to start learning a little bit more about her music, start with Create Your Own Mythology. I like that one a lot. All right, Kristen, good luck to you, and I appreciate it. All right, cheers. Take care. Take care.
5: All right, so we look forward to uh, next week. We'll have Trombone Shorty on. We're efforting to have him on Monday's show and also the Soul Rebels we'll talk to one of their members to talk about um, their passion for the saints and the Pelicans and also their jazz fest experience and experiences from previous ones. So lots to look forward to there. Um, Lots to look forward to next week with the NFL draft. And um, hopefully the Pelicans will still be playing next week. Um, If they win on Saturday, which is tomorrow, they will play on Friday back in golden state. That'll be Tuesday. I'm guessing it will be a late one. So, but let's hope for a win tomorrow night and make sure you come out and support this team at the smoothie King center. Um. couple of other things. Um, Anthony Davis finishes fourth in defensive player of the year voting. Kawhi Leonard wins for the Spurs. So I want to say congrats to AD. He did get some first place votes. So congrats to Anthony Davis on that. And also he's up for the NBA Community Assist Award presented by Kaiser Permanente. There are a couple of ways for you all to vote on social media. You can tweet a comment using the hashtag NBA Community Assist and also the hashtag Anthony Davis. It's his first and last name. Retweets will also count. As votes on Twitter, you can post a photo using hashtag NBA community assist and hashtag Anthony Davis in the photo description. Only unique posts will be included in the vote. Commenting on a post using both hashtags does not qualify as one. And also on Facebook, you can respond or comment on a post from an NBA account, which is the league, NBA cares, also the team, so in this case the Pelicans, using hashtag NBA community assist and hashtag Anthony Davis. Voting ends on Monday at 1059 p.m. Central Time, so let's make sure Anthony Davis gets that award. It's probably the most important award that he wants to win. He's done a lot with his charities this year. Um, he's done a lot for the community, and we really appreciate all that Anthony has done. So make sure you go out and vote for him on social media. Again, hashtag NBA Community Assist and hashtag Anthony Davis. I'll have that for you on tomorrow's broadcast as well, and we'll remind you on Monday before voting ends that'll do it for today's black and blue report our thanks to dave pash thanks to monty williams anthony davis matt bensel from the minneapolis star tribune and we'll continue our draft series on monday with the cleveland browns pick number 12 as we lead into the saints pick at number 13 sean should be back in the hosting chair on monday unless we could be traveling to golden state for game five hopefully that's the case and if so then i'll be hosting for you on monday Glad you can join me today. We'll see you at the Smoothie King Center hopefully tomorrow. I'm Daniel Sallerson. Have a great rest of your weekend.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at neworleansaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.